if I asked you, what is the American dream? What would you say? I think people will say life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. If I asked you, what is the Canadian dream? As an immigrant, when I came here uh, back in the 1970s, I don't know what my parents were dreaming about, but I can tell you what my Canadian dream is. I've never felt like a Canadian until I bought my first house. The second time I felt I was living the Canadian dream was when I bought my first barbecue set. And finally, I felt like a true Canadian when I put a hockey jersey on me while skating on the ice trying to push a puck around. And so being a true Canadian is really knowing how to skate and play hockey. So I asked a good buddy of mine, what do you think it means to be living the Canadian dream? Well, this is what he said, to live in a safe environment, to have a social safety net, to be independent and to be a home owner. That for him was living the Canadian dream. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Hey, welcome back everybody to How Is My Financial Health Doc Podcast, and I am your host, Vuket Tran. And I'm delighted to have you guys back on the show. We're going to discuss another topic of personal finance for healthcare professionals. And this one is a very interesting topic and a very timely topic because I think most of us are in this situation. Now, some of us are actually trying to get into this situation, but have a hard time. What am I talking about? I'm talking about trying to buy a house. And so... A lot of my young colleagues, brand new grads, uh, or even uh, early careers are having a really hard time to buy a house because the housing market in Canada is going crazy. Last week, I heard on the news that home prices for detached homes in the major centers in Canada, so let's say Toronto, Hamilton, Montreal, Vancouver, the prices have gone up somewhere between 20 to 25% compared to last year. Now, this is a overheated market. It is absolutely crazy. Your salary and my salary have absolutely not gone up by 20%. And so if housing prices are going up from 15 to 20%, it becomes very quickly out of reach for most people. But we all want to live the Canadian dream. Now, you, you guys know that I'm not born in Canada. I came to Montreal when I was very young. And so for me, what it meant being a Canadian, to be honest, I didn't feel like I was a Canadian until I actually played on a hockey team. And yet I've been in Canada for the last 44 years. The other time that I really felt like a true Canadian was when I bought my house. And so... After buying my house, the first thing I bought was a barbecue because doing barbecue in your backyard is really the most Canadian thing you can do in addition to drinking beer and watching hockey. 
And so the Canadian dream is to own a house. It is not surprising that Canadians want to own homes. It is living the Canadian dream. But nowadays, owning a house becomes more and more difficult. So when we have the opportunity to purchase a house, or we've already purchased the house, the next dream is to pay down the house as fast as possible. These are things that are ingrained into us. This is what my mom told me. This is what my dad told me. This is what society tells me, is that I should not have any debt. And so we get this notion that we should never have debt, and that if we do, we need to clear that debt as fast as possible. But here are the issues. One, we need to save for the future. And two, we need to clear the debt. But unfortunately, we have a finite amount of money. They don't go on trees, and we have to work for it. Now, if we don't save and we decide not to save, nobody's gonna come and knock on our door and say, hey, Vu, why are you not saving any money? Nobody cares about Vu, right? If I don't put any money aside to save for my, re for my retirement, nobody's gonna come and knock on my door and saying I'm doing something wrong. But it is different for the bank. If I don't pay my monthly mortgage, and my monthly financial commitment to the bank, trust me, someone from the bank will come and knock on my door and say, Vu, you have a commitment to this mortgage and you need to pay it down. So what have we learned? We have learned that we must pay the debt first because if I don't, someone will knock on my door. Therefore, if I'm paying the mortgage and it doesn't leave me much more money, I actually have nothing else left at the end of the month to save. This is what we call house rich, cash poor. So between the two choices, one, paying down the debt that I need to because the bank is after my back, or saving, the natural decision will be, I'm gonna pay down my debt. I'm gonna pay down my mortgage. And not only that, I'm gonna pay it down as fast as possible because I was told by mom, I was told by dad, in fact, I was told by my patient, my, my neighbor, my dog, that I need to clear the debt as fast as possible so that I can own my house and cleared of the bank's mortgage. And that is the common strategy that most Canadians and most physicians and healthcare professionals adopt. I'm here to ask you the question, mathematically, is this the best thing to do? What do you guys think? So let me repeat myself. We buy a house, we have a mortgage, we pay down that mortgage, and we pay down that mortgage as fast as possible so that we can clear the mortgage and have a mortgage-free house. And that's living the Canadian dream. So now we've paid down this mortgage, we have this house that is worth 2 million, 3 million. Some of us buy homes that are 4 million, 5 million, doesn't matter. Think of a number. But the point is, we are clearing that debt and we're taking five years, maybe 10 years. Most of us will take 15 to 20 years to clear that mortgage. The higher the amount mortgage, the longer it takes to clear, of course. 
and all the money that we make, that monthly income, is dedicated to bringing down that mortgage as fast as possible. And so we neglect to save. We neglect to put it for the future, potentially for the next 10, 15, 20 years until we are done paying off our mortgage. Now, some of you will say, well, hold on, Vu. If I'm putting that money into the house, that is equity into the house. That is my future. That is my financial plan and my financial nest egg for the future. Fair enough. That is a good argument. But here's what I would like you to think about. You cannot eat your house. What does that even really mean? Everyone, including physicians, pay down the mortgage as fast as possible, as fast as they can, and accumulate equity into the house. But they just leave the equity in the house and don't know what to do with it. Or they are afraid to do something with it because they're trying to hang on dearly to being debt-free. And so the equity that's sitting in the house is dead equity. It does nothing. Nobody makes it go to work. Money doesn't make money because it actually does not work for you. You are working for you, not the house. So is there another way for your house to work for you? Obviously, the answer is yes. You cannot eat your house means that if you own a really expensive house, like most physicians that I know have in the three to four million dollar homes, if you really own a really expensive house but have no money in the bank or not much savings, you won't have enough money to purchase the other things that are important for you in your lifestyle. So to pay for that lifestyle, you work even harder, longer, faster, so that we can service that mortgage but also pay for all the lifestyle choices that we are making currently. And that is because one has become slave to the mortgage. But unfortunately, all those lifestyle choices, most of the time do not include saving for the future. So now you have all this money locked up in your home, but it's not liquid and you can't spend it. So if you want to acquire the lifestyle that you desire, you have to work harder, longer, more, and you are stuck because you cannot eat your house. So we do this for the next 20, 25, 30 years. And when it's time to retire, well, we have a nice house that is worth maybe by this time 5 million or even 6 million. And we can't retire because we have no savings to retire. All that money is locked up in a house. That money is not liquid. So if the physician wants to continue to live and pay for the expenses, the physician either have to work more or continue to work well past retirement age to make more money to pay for the expenses, or the physician now needs to reverse mortgage and take the equity out of the house. But by doing that, the bank is going to charge you an interest rate that is most likely higher than the interest rate that you had to pay 
during the entire time of the mortgage. So think about this for a minute. The physician is paying down the mortgage, paying an interest and giving that money to the bank for 30 years, whatever time it is to pay down the mortgage. Once the mortgage is paid down, the physician owns the house, but now physician wants to retire or wants to slow down, but there is not enough savings. So therefore, what happens? The physicians now need to put the house back into the bank's hands and ask for a loan. And that loan is at a higher rate than the rate of the interest for the mortgage. And so for the next 25, 30 years, the physician is also paying the bank another interest. So in fact, if you're doing it this way, the physician is paying the bank an interest, albeit different interest, the moment they start buying the house and they will pay for the next 60 to 80 years until death. So essentially by doing it this way, the physician is constantly paying the bank an interest right from the get-go of buying the house all the way to the end at death. This is the sequential strategy, meaning first the physician pays down the mortgage and then when there's free money left, when there's discretionary money, that's when the physician invest and save for the future. If the physician is using the sequential strategy, this is what will happen. But not only that, imagine that it takes 10, 15 years to pay down the mortgage. Well, the investment or the savings starts 10, 15 years later, therefore has lost the opportunity to compound interest for the next 10 to 15 years. And that is a lot of time lost. So if the physician understood that, it is not a very good strategy to do. The sequential strategy is a very, very bad strategy. But many of the physicians that I know adopt this strategy. And the reason is we have been told by mom, by dad, by society, by our neighbors and by our dogs that we should clear our debt as soon as possible. But what they don't realize is that there is such a thing as good debt and bad debt, and not all debt are bad. So if I don't use the sequential strategy, what other strategies exist? Well, there is the simultaneous strategy. Simultaneous here means that, yes, I'm going to pay down my mortgage as well. I'm going to invest and save. How do I do that? Well, first I stop aggressively paying down my mortgage, especially if the interest rates are so low nowadays. Money is practically free. So the idea is to pay down the mortgage as well as save at the same time and leverage the extra 10, 15 years that the physician will have to compound interest in an investment that the physician will make to save for retirement. So that when it's time to retire, the house is paid off. But also at that time, there will be 
money saved aside to pay for living expenses that will happen at age 65, 67, or 70 without dipping back into the equity of the house. In doing it this way, the physician can now set some money aside to save, either in a registered account such as the RRSP or the TFSA, or even in a non-registered account. I'm not going to tell you in which account to put it in. That is between yourself and your advisor. But the main message is the physician should save and invest at the same time that he and she is paying down the mortgage and not after, not in a sequential strategy. But money doesn't grow on trees, so where will they find the money to do so? Well, the first thing is, if the physician is not aggressively paying down the mortgage, the physician can now free up some money to put aside to invest and save. In reality, the physician can also do some financial maneuvers, such as, for example, take out an equity loan sell a portion of the equity of the house or use the home equity line of credit, which we call the HELOC. Not all these strategies fit everybody. Some of us are more conservative. Some of us are more aggressive. Some may be comfortable with debt. And when I mean debt, I mean good debt. Some of us may be very uncomfortable with debt, even good debt but they don't realize that that debt is actually good. Some of us are just uncomfortable with debt, period. Not all of us are created equal and not all of us think the same way. And so not all of us are comfortable with debt. But understand that financially and mathematically, doing it the sequential way puts you far, far behind financially and most likely not the most efficient strategy. But this being said, not everybody can wrap their mind around having a persistent debt. And some of us psychologically just cannot live with debt. And that's okay. But understand that mathematically, the sequential strategy is not a very efficient strategy if we want to plan for retirement and have enough money to still enjoy the lifestyle that we desire and still maintain a house. Many of my colleagues and probably many of your colleagues are doing just that. They cannot wrap their mind around the fact that they should not pay down their mortgage aggressively and that they should save right from the get-go as well as paying down debt and not save only after paying down debt because doing it that way is mathematically not as good. If that physician or that physician spouse is very uncomfortable living with debt and wants to clear that debt as much as possible and cannot sleep otherwise, then the simultaneous strategy is not a good strategy, regardless of what it says mathematically. This being said, your house cannot pay your bills. You need cash for that. If you haven't saved enough 
money outside of your house to pay for your annual expenses, then you will find life extremely difficult in retirement. As uncomfortable as it may be to live with debt, it is much more uncomfortable to find out that one does not have enough money to retire at the age of 70 or 71. I can see and hear all of those physician surgeon friends of mine who cannot afford to retire and cannot imagine why they still need to go and work in the OR and operate at the age past 70. They all dread it. They all don't want to do it, but they all have to because they have no extra cash lying outside their house. Everything is in the equity of the house because they've never been able to save for retirement. And all they have done so far is to put all the money inside the house, all that equity that is sitting there dead, not being used. The only way they can use the equity inside their house is either to sell it or do a reverse mortgage. Either way, they become slaves of the bank again, paying interest on that reverse mortgage and that loan. So as much as one cannot live with a debt and mortgage, I believe that even at that point, one should still consider saving a small amount and start saving early. Take advantage of time. Put time on your side to compound. Time is the only one asset no one can ever buy back. Once it is lost, it is lost forever. So leverage the power of compounding using time. Using the sequential strategy is definitely not aligned with leveraging the power of compounding. It does not matter how big or how small. Start saving early. The bigger amount, the earlier you start, the better. So instead of aggressively paying down the mortgage, one should consider to aggressively start saving and do it simultaneously as opposed to sequentially. There is nothing wrong with paying off your mortgage, but if it means you are doing so with all your spare cash, then it may not be the best idea. Leaving your investing until after you have paid off the mortgage may be too late to save enough to cover your potentially 35 years in retirement. If you must pay off the mortgage quickly, then at least try to reserve some cash for savings and investments. In an ideal world, we would be able to continue to live in our house when we retire. In order to do this, we have to save money outside of our house. Our house cannot pay for our retirement unless we take on major inconvenience or pay high interest on a reverse mortgage. Remember, you cannot eat your house and your house cannot pay the bills. So think about that the moment you buy your house, not 25 years later. Many of my colleagues and friends are brand new grads and starting their life and their career. And every single one of them are thinking of buying a house in this crazy market and paying more and more money for a house in a market that is overheated. And so people are bidding for houses that are way beyond their financial capability. 
And once they bid on the house and won, they now face a humongous amount of debt. And the natural thing and the learned thing that they have is to pay down that debt as quickly as possible. Some colleagues that I know are trying to pay off the mortgage in 10 years instead of amortizing it over 25. But by doing so, they are neglecting to save and invest. While it may feel good to have a lot of equity in the house, financially speaking, it is very problematic. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.